Guys, welcome back to the Built for Life podcast. Jen and I are no longer sleep deprived. We are fucking on point. We've got time today. We've had a really good chat beforehand and we're buzzing to actually talk to you about what we have brought to the table for you today. It's something we see so often and it's actually something that people don't challenge enough and it's what gets in people's way. I think a lot of the time when you're trying to progress through any form of journey of self-development, growth, transformation, what tends to happen is... You try what you think is the right solution. So people will tell you it's all about steps, it's all about calories, it's all just about progressive overload in the gym. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you'll come to the understanding already that your environment plays a massive part in that, but also the things that you engage with in your life, what you're exposed to, the way people treat you, the way that you let people treat you, all of these things have a massive impact. And even what goes on around you, you start to pick up certain beliefs about yourself based upon what other people tell you because you're maybe not focusing your your attention or your intentions into the right area to improve. And over time, you just get fucking demoralized. And I know you've been there, Jen. Oh, God, I. <laughs> I live there. <laughs> so we want to talk to you about the ladder of assumptions, basically, and how we flip this ladder on its head within the Built for Life program. And this is where you're not looking. And I can guarantee you this is where you're not looking and you're not understanding it. And if you can do this, if you want to call it inner work on challenging yourself a little bit more, you will start to see outcomes that you probably have never dreamed of. Because I know that I've been there before too, with these assumptions about myself, about the world, about the process, and how that's then grown arms and legs and then created a core belief in me to stop me from actually moving in the direction that I can. And when your beliefs are so ingrained in you, I do think, as we said last week, there's so much ego involved as well because you want to be right. And that is the thing about human beings. Everyone wants to be right. No one hates to be wrong. Everyone wants to be fucking right. So we want to kind of talk you through why these beliefs that are keeping you stuck are ideally things you want to be wrong about and you want to challenge them and see that you can be wrong because being wrong is so fucking humbling that if you just drop that ego and stopped being so... so desire like what's the best way to put this stop desiring to be right all the time things will change massively so let's talk jen about how assumptions become myths myths become stories and then stories become beliefs so so there's a really really um interesting human behavior theory called the ladder of inference and it explains exactly kind of how we move through this experience because basically what what we recognise from the theory is that humans will always believe what they feel to be true. So based on the thing, the, the feeling that is generated will create the belief. And that then has an impact on how you filter any data in the world around you. So anything that you experience, anything that you hear from other people, anything that you do, you will always select the data from the pool of available information that reinforces the belief that you have, right? So when people start off, this always starts on the baseline of assumption. So we create beliefs over the course of our life that limit our ability to do things, limit our ability to be a different way based on our experiences that we create over a lifetime, based on how strong your that inner critic is, um, on your upbringing, your surroundings, the kind of things that you've been exposed to, your level of resilience, all of these things will have an impact on the core beliefs that you create for yourself. A lot of times these can be heavily influenced by others as well. 
So in your community, religious groups, cultural groups, family, friends, school, all of these things can have an impact on the core beliefs that you create for yourself. So when you're trying to create a new set of core beliefs, you are going against years and years and years of beliefs that have been bred into you. So much so that when you choose to come on a programme like this and you start working with us and that we start challenging it, you're like, what a pair of bastards, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, who the hell do you think you are to challenge the thing that I have believed about myself for such a long time? And the thing is, is that you, you're always the expert in you. That's the model that we run on. The person is always the expert on themselves. But when it comes to you truly changing your actions, the beliefs have to change alongside that. And that just takes someone else raising awareness of, do you notice that you're tied to this belief? Where do you think this is coming from? So a lot of the time what will happen for people is, and I watch this happen all the time, people operate on assumptions. People make massive decision, decisions in their life on the basis of an assumption constantly. But people always choose to believe the negative assumption right? Yep. The limiting assumption instead of the freeing assumption. So an example of a limiting assumption might be the one that I believed for years, which is I can't, I won't ever be able to lose weight, right? I am destined to be fat forever, right? That was the, that was the limiting assumption. Therefore, I limited my ability and what I thought was possible on that basis. So I limited the actions that I would take based on that assumption, Right which then became a belief of I will never be able to lose weight, lose weight, so there's no point trying, right? So the action would be, there's no point trying, just repeat the cycle. Now, the freeing assumption there is I could be able, I might be able to lose weight if I find the right thing or if I find the right way of doing it or if I find what the barrier is that's stopping me from getting there. So if I am able to find the right way of losing weight for me, what else might be possible? Now, the beauty of a freeing assumption is that you don't need to believe it to ask yourself what might be possible if I did believe it, because they're both assumptions, right? You're just choosing to believe the limiting one, when actually, if I gave you the freeing one, you would go, ah, but I don't believe that's true, but you believe the limiting assumption's true. Both are assumptions, right? So it's really, really important to stop and ask yourself, what assumption am I choosing to believe here? Because you are choosing it. Right. If you're assuming the worst, you only have to ask yourself what the opposite of that thing is. You don't have to believe it's true. All you need to ask yourself is if I did believe that was true, what might I do differently? Yeah. And that's obviously why a lot of people obviously don't progress in some way, shape, or form, because when they create that assumption, let's say the, the one you use, for example, right? Like, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to lose weight. The myth that you kind of mentioned previously that came with that were things that you started to tell yourself so that you could blame another reason. You could blame something that was not your fault. You know, it wasn't in your control, no responsibility taken, no ownership taken. And that was something along the lines of, I'm just big boned. <laughs> yeah. You know how often I hear this, right? I hear sometimes women or guys who are heavier set that have been for their life it's part of their identity and it does become an assumption that it's more difficult to lose weight but they always limit themselves when they come to me as well because they'll say to me yeah but I don't want to lose too much weight because then I'm not going to look the way that I really want to look and I don't know if I'll be comfortable and what you have to consider there is you're just putting uh, another limit 
on where you can go purely just because you're actually unsure whether or not, based upon that belief you already have, if you can go the distance. Yeah. And we talk a lot inside the program about how in order to create new beliefs about yourself, you often need to go far past where you think you can go. Don't just take it to the periphery. Don't just take it to this this line of almost complacency where you got to where you were, it was comfortable enough to get there, you've shown yourself you can lose weight, but you've not really solidified all the actions, the behaviours, the systems that's going to keep you there, most importantly, but also continue to move you forward. And I think more people need to recognise this. If you're putting a limit on yourself and where you can go and you're playing small, you're never really going to build the beliefs that you want to about yourself, that you can kind of conquer anything that you can put your mind to, because there's always going to be an assumption there that you can only go so far. And, do you know, I actually think that's quite... That's quite sad. Oh, <laughs> totally, totally. Because the thing is, is that for such a huge portion of my life, I ran on a belief system that was full of assumptions. Yeah. And once I started to challenge the assumptions with actions, my life changed completely. And it always makes me wonder, like, had I, had I been willing to challenge the assumptions about who I believed I was from a much earlier stage, what, what in my life might have been different because I think a lot of the time that people wait for self-belief to fall out the fucking sky like you're not going to just one day wake up and go I believe in my ability to do this like you have to create evidence for your for your brain to create the belief so when we when we go immediately from the assumption and then we couple that with the myth that's two very strong evidence bases for why you can't do the thing that you want to be able to do right and like when I think about the amount, I mean, I know we've spoken about like myths in the fitness industry before that we've seen, which we know that I believed pretty much every single one of those, but you do create a lot of myths about yourself too. And I used to create this myth for myself that like all of the women in my family are curvy, which is true, right? All of the women in my family are. Um, So because we're all curvy therefore I'm never going to be able to lose weight because this is my shape and this is the way that I'm supposed to look and yeah that is my shape but that's also not stopping me from losing weight right mm -hmm. and even just things like running's another great or even exercise in general for me like I created the myth from a very young age that exercise wasn't for people like me because every time I tried to exercise I get PTSD from PE in high school right like people used to make fun of me in the changing rooms and all that so obviously I'm going to create a negative association with exercise but then I can't run in the assumption and the myth that adults in a gym are going to behave the same way as children in a PE changing room right but that was a nice myth that kept me safe right that was a good assumption and a good myth that kept me safe from having to create any change and that meant that I could run on the belief of there is no point trying because you won't like that anyway. Um, and even just making assumptions about things that people do from the outside looking in, um, about all of this, all of the reasons why you wouldn't like it. And I hear people say all the time, listen, I know myself, right? I know myself and I know what I'm like. And I, I just know that I wouldn't like that. And I'm like, do you know yourself or do you know yourself based on the assumptions mm -hmm. and the myths and the stories and the beliefs that you've created for yourself that have fuck all evidence in support of it? Like, unless you have evidence, you're telling yourself a wee story. 100%. And again, it's just to keep you safe. It's to mm -hmm. keep you in this very comfortable position where you can't be challenged. And a lot of the time it's so that you can't fail. Like, and I think so many people will do so much to avoid failure 
that they just build this this arsenal of tools to call upon, these arsenal of myths and assumptions to find any way out of it that they possibly can. And if what you're currently doing isn't actually getting you to where you want to be, then the answers can always be found in something new. Mm. You know, like if you're just training, so for example, I need to go to the gym and burn 600 calories on my watch because I know when I hit that, I feel like I've had a good session and that's where, when I've done it consistently, I've lost body fat. There's the assumption. So the myth is you need to hit a particular amount of calories burned per session, even though those are not accurate in the slightest and most of the time can easily be eaten back. But because you believe that to be true, a lot of the other behaviors fall into place. And that's what people don't connect the dots with. So the people who say, I can't lose weight and I do everything to lose weight, you're fucking overeating somewhere. You're under-exercising and not consistent enough with your movement. Your sleep is shit. I don't care how much you tell me you're doing everything, you're not doing everything, because whatever you believe to be true, the systems are going to be falling in place for it. Mm -hmm. So people like you and I, we understand what we can achieve and might have taken a bit of time to get there for both of us and what we can maintain and how we can live our lives. But we have that firm belief now that anything can be done based upon what we put our mind to. So the assumption before anything is, let's try and see. Let's just give it a go. What's the worst outcome going to be? Like I went into the gym, I actually uh, put this on Instagram last week, obviously got the new training rotation over, haven't back squatted in five years. And straight away, my thought process was, nah, they kill my back. There's mm -hmm. the assumption. How do I know they kill my back if I've not five, uh, back squatted in five years? Yeah. Right? People say that to me all the time. I don't like this in the gym because I hurt myself five years ago. Or I had this really bad injury, so I can't do that. Okay, um, when was the last time you done it? Right? If we could strengthen particular areas of the body to ensure that it was strong enough to do this, would you want to give it a go? Most people are like, no. And it's like, but what if it made the area stronger? No, I'd just be worried that it would, it would hurt and I would get injured again, right? Mm. You need to realize that it's not it's not how it's going to be forever because there's always ways to work around it. And the minute I seen that and I realized that assumption, I caught that assumption and I literally yeah. said, you are not a little bitch that doesn't go and try things. Go and try. Yeah. And I went in at the gym and I put 60 kilo on my back, done a warm-up set. It was like, feels really good. Put 100 kilos on my back, done another warm-up set, felt really good. It was like, fuck it. Going to put 140 in the bar. Done six sets of four. Pretty easily, I probably could have went up to 150 in the first few sets and then just really grinded out the last one. But I was telling myself as well, like even though I'm just going back into it, I'll take myself to a point where I can feel like the movement is okay and I've got the skill still there because it is a, a skill at the end of the day. And I'll just increase the weight next thing. Even though I've not went to pure failure, this session was all about going back in and seeing if what I believe to be true was still going to be true. And listen, afterwards, my back still was a little bit tender, but that's also because I was doing fucking rear foot elevated split squats. I was doing hip thrusts. I then ran after it. So it would be wrong of me to go, it was the back squats. Yeah. Right? Look at the data. Look at the fucking information, right? <laughs> yeah. But then if that's the belief that you have, then yeah. that's the information that you are going to select, right? So had you been sore, your brain would have immediately made the association that was the back squats, right? I fractured my ankle walking down the stair. I can't not walk down the stairs ever again, <laughs> right? Uh -huh. I can't be trapped like the princess in the tower in my own house for fear of walking down the stair, right? 
I just need to be more careful about walking down the stair. The assumption can't then be stairs are fucking lethal, right? They are for somebody who's clumsy like me, right? But I can't then create the belief that I am going to fracture my ankle every single time I walk down the stair, right? So people choose to make the behavioural association with these different things. We watch this happen quite a lot and I've noticed myself do it. I think we've both done it. And I'm having the same conversation with people quite a lot and have been for some time about lockdown, right? Now, great example of a very controlled and structured environment based entirely on what you want, right? So what's happening now is that people are reflecting back to that time and saying to me, I can never get back to the same position that I was in then. The way that I was in lockdown was thriving. And, And again, in context, I know that it wasn't the same case for everyone. I'm just giving examples of the kind of conversations that we have with people. It was the perfect environment. I was doing so well. Everything was great, right? They're romanticising it, right? Because at the time, they were gagging to go out for their dinner and go for a drink and go and live their life and were perceiving all the things that they couldn't do. Now, when we reflect back through those rose-tinted glasses, because we only ever attach meaning to situations in hindsight, so you can't attach any meaning to something until you look back on it, right? Which is why in the moment it's so tough, but afterward you look back and you go, I understand now why that had to happen. People are now creating the belief that the only time that I can do these things for myself is when there is the perfect environment in which to create it, right? Now, when I have this same conversation with people about what they were doing specifically, and I came to this realisation myself in therapy, was that everything that I was doing then is still absolutely possible now. Mm-hmm. There is nothing, nothing stopping those me creating those conditions. The environment made it easier, but the conditions were wholly created and controlled by me. And this is the same conversation I'm having with people all of the time. They are making an assumption that the world has to fucking stop for them to prioritise themselves. So now, when it comes back to prioritising themselves in a noisy world, they don't know how to do it because the distraction is there. They make the assumption that was only possible when there was lockdown. Therefore, there has to be a global pandemic for me to look after myself, right? Really dangerous assumption to run on because you then tell yourself the belief, I can only look after myself when the conditions are are there for it to be possible, right? But actually, you have to create the conditions to change the belief. And once you create the conditions that change the belief, you recognise that there is always space and availability to prioritise yourself. Mm -hmm. You just have to choose the positive opposite. You have to choose the other assumption instead of always defaulting to the negative assumption, which is what we watch people do all the time. That is (laughs) That is such a good example. And as you said, like you don't really attach meaning to something until you look back. And I think a lot of the people that have have definitely spoke about this, they just, they choose the facts that they want to believe. And the one big part of this is like, I remember I was speaking to someone about this who said, I was still working from home, but I didn't have to travel to and from work. So I saved myself like an hour a day, an hour and 15 minutes a day that I could just go and I could step with and so on and so forth. And I was like, Okay, so you're trying to tell me when you finish work, you put your shoes on directly and went straight out of a walk. No, well, I would maybe sit on my phone for a while. Would it be fair to say that maybe you'd sit on your phone for the same half an hour journey that you would take home from work? Yeah, probably, but then I'd go straight out on my walk. And it's like, okay, well, when you're getting home from work now, are you then sitting down and having that same half hour and losing half an hour when you could be out stepping? And they were like, fuck. <laughs> He's got me there. <laughs> I, because, like, don't bullshit a bullshitter either. Like, when you finish your work for the day, you want to sit down for maybe 10, 15 minutes and relax. 
right? You're just believing that you don't have the time now because you're telling yourself you had it previously based upon the fact that the conditions were more ideal. And you're telling yourself now that that time is what is causing you not to be able to perform at the level that you want, which is quite frankly, horseshit. But I um, spoke last night at our 12-week transformation webinar about a great quote from a guy called Ludwig Wittgenstein. He's a 20th century philosopher, and he says, the limits of my language are the limits of my world. And it's the whole, I can't do this. I can't go there and control the situation. I can't make these choices because my partner's going to be annoyed with me. I can't go on this journey because I just can't. I can't fathom adding something else into my life because it's going to break me. When really something like this and getting added into your life is probably going to be the only thing that allows you to manage everything else in the most appropriate way. And you need to understand that there's a degree of reality here that you have to surrender yourself to. See, when people romanticize about things, it's like relationships. You know what I mean? It's like you would have even been there like through everything that you've been through where you would have looked back on situations in the past and you would have been like, were they really that bad? Oh, all or the time. You, you remember the times when they were really nice to you or bought you nice things when you had that nice like dinner out for your birthday that one time and then it was abuse fucking for all the other months of the year. You remember the good stuff. And that's what draws people back to relationships because they do attach meaning to that. And you have to recognize that you don't just do that with relationships, you do that with situations as well. Like if you go through a 12-week transformation, for example, you often will tell yourself it's only for the 12 weeks. So when you get to the end of the 12 weeks, there is no longer duration added onto it. So you've already told yourself that the goal ends at that point. So then a lot of the behaviors based upon that belief start to fill back in and then you rebound all the way back to starting weight or or worse. When really, if you're like, okay, this is a phase, my journey doesn't end. I need to make sure that my focus and my beliefs are built upon the decisions that I make on a daily basis and what I prove to myself I can do. And we'll take it from there. And that's, that's what it should be. I will take it from there. I said to the guys last night, you almost have to live in a degree of, I wouldn't actually even call it hope. I used the word hope last night. Live in a degree of trust that regardless of what's going on around you, what your assumptions are, what your beliefs are, that if you dedicate and just show the discipline to dedicate enough time to something to try and break that belief, that it can happen. Mm. Because the future can be so different than it is now. But most people just don't, they don't give it the time and they're not willing to give it the time either. And it's even like, people will come to me and they'll be like, I'm so frustrated with not losing weight. And again, they'll convince me and they'll convince you or try and convince you, but we're not buttoned up the back, that they are doing everything, right? And it's like I spoke about in one of the previous episodes. Say you've got someone at 80 kilos telling you that they can't lose weight on the same calories as someone at 55 kilos. Bullshit. Mm. I'm sorry, but fucking bullshit, right? Especially if activity is similar, the amount of gym frequency is similar, like bullshit. <laughs> and as you said before, it's purely because there's an assumption there, there's a belief there, so therefore there are gaps in that system they've created. And they will be overeating at times where they don't realize they'll be drinking too much and so on and so forth. But the people who come to me and say that in the same breath, when I give them action steps, won't implement the action steps for a week. But they're that frustrated. And they're that fucking wound up that they need this to change, but they'll not implement it for a week, two weeks. Mm. I ask why they haven't implemented it. Oh, I've just not been at the shops yet. You've not been at the shops for something that means so much to you. Like if I was on a call with you and you were like, Mark, you need to go do this if you really want this thing. 
I would cancel the rest of my day and I'd fucking go and get whatever I had to get done to make yeah. it happen, right? Because your belief system tells you, if I want to make something happen, I can. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's built over years. Don't get me wrong, that's built over years. And we're not expecting you to be there right now, but we're expecting you to realise that you have to start that process of changing 100%. beliefs and changing the assumptions. And it is, it's a very freeing place. And we spoke about it a lot. Like whenever we talk about this programme, making changes in this programme, things we want to achieve, we are fast at doing it. Mm-hmm. Because even though there might be a degree of fear there, we can we can respond to that fear with like a level of logic where we say, okay, well, when we've made changes in the past, what's happened has the world fell apart? Has there been catastrophe on the fucking shorelines? No, there's not. Like, nothing's actually changed. And I speak to a lot of coaches about this as well. You'll do the exact same. Where coaches, for example, they will feel as though they need to be on hand for their clients at like 11 p.m. at night, Saturday evenings, Sunday mornings when they're trying to enjoy time with their kids because they've got the assumption if they don't get back to someone in that time frame, then essentially the person will leave the programme. But then doesn't that tell you that you're hand-holding someone too much? And if you're hand-holding someone too much, you're not helping them break down those beliefs because they're building a reliance on you. And the thing for us, and the great thing about us and our clients is like we have this degree of mutual respect. They know we will work hard for them, but they also know that we need to rest when it's appropriate as well or we cannot give them the best of us. And that's because we've set that, that, that belief with them. We've set the belief. We've helped set the belief. So you need to understand that even your actions and the beliefs that you set, it will have an impact on the way in which people treat you and the expectation people people expect to see from you. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And the thing is, is that if you're spending all of your time, particularly as a coach, if you're spending all of your time being available to your clients and you're not coaching them, right? Like, if you're spending all of your time being available to fix problems, you're you're just a problem solver. You're not actually a coach. And I think the thing that I love about the guys is that if someone is on daily accountability, they are they're accountable to their own accountability, right? Yeah. So they'll still put in over the weekend their stats and their things that we've asked them to hold themselves accountable to. But we don't don't need to be present to make that happen because it's we're holding the space for the accountability but they have to be accountable to what they said they would be and now people will fire in a message saying i know you aren't in here but i'm just sticking this in for such and such or i'm sending this in now for monday because it's on my mind like so there's a recognition there as well for people that sometimes you need time and space to think for yourself and i think that if you don't give yourself time and space to think for yourself you don't recognize consciously how many assumptions you are making right so there's something about people being and having this level of awareness around their conscious and unconscious assumptions myths stories beliefs that are driving them i think definitely in the early stages of a journey of change so much of what you believe is is subconscious that when you do come to us and say i'm not losing any weight and you're going "Mm, there's something else going on you are of the conscious belief that you're doing everything that you can because you're not aware of those unconscious things that are driving you right like i spoke about this a, a long time ago now and um built for life but when i spoke about the superpower of self and I spoke to guys, the guys all about how powerful self-awareness and self-belief can be when you truly understand the person that you are. Remember, I used psychogeometrics with the shapes and stuff. Yeah. And there's a tool um, that I use in coaching all the all the time called the Jahari window. And the Jahari window is all about an understanding that we all operate in like these four quadrants of self. 
So you have your oat marina, which is known to self, known to others. These are the things about you that you are aware of, that other people are aware of, right? So I know that I could talk for Scotland, right? And people who know me know that I could talk for Scotland, right? I love the sound of my own voice. That's why I speak in podcasts all the time, right? I'm aware of it. Other people are aware of it. So if somebody tried to give me feedback and say, you're talking quite a lot, I'm like, do you know what? You're right. I'm aware of that already. I've obviously just kind of slipped here and not noticed, right? Mm-hmm. Or the now, like, because I speak in a lot of communities that are, like, around the world, people are like, can you please speak slowly? Because I don't recognise the pace that I speak at, right? Because we're for Glasgow, that's what we do. So it's something that's known to me and it's known to others. Then we have known to others but not known to self, right? So that's the bit that people get petrified about because that's where all that fear of judgment lies. So these are the things that you do that other pe- that other people notice but that you don't notice within yourself until someone says to you, are you aware that you actually do this? Now, the difficult bit about that area is it's really dependent on you getting feedback from others. And we all hate giving feedback. The only time you really ever get feedback is in a professional environment or from a coach, <laughs> right? And a lot of the time... On a drunken night out. On a drunken night out, right? Because what, what was it we said the, the, uh, one of those podcasts? Drunk, drunk minds speak sober truths. Aye. <laughs> Or when exactly when Sunday's a bit steaming and I'm like, listen, I wasn't going to tell you this, but I'm feeling a bit brave. Uh, um, I actually <laughs> hate you. No, I'm joking. Um, so people are terrified of that arena because they will make assumptions about what lives there. Yeah. And then they'll try and do the thinking. They'll, they'll do all the legwork making up what lives in that arena. Um, so then you have the um, known to self but unknown to others. So these are like past experiences, potential traumas, anything that's happened to you or that you've done that you don't want other people to know. Really embarrassing stuff can live down here, ways that you see yourself. So these are where quite a lot of the unconscious beliefs stem from because you come to other people or you interact with other people or yourself based on the beliefs that sit down here that actually you're conscious like subconsciously like at the back of your mind aware of but other people will wonder so you might come to yours and you're going why is this happening right and you know deep down why it's happening but you're far too scared to share with us this is why this is happening and it can take I think now um, I don't know if it's just that we get into people's minds really quickly <laughs> people do come to us quite quickly now with these things and um, I think just because we really go above and beyond to make people feel like safe and in a judgment-free zone, but it can take a lot of time. This was me and you, right? I was coming to you like a big ball of trauma on the gym floor, and you didn't know what it was tangibly, but you knew there was something, and I was going, there's no way I'm telling him everything that's happened to me, right? And then, like, what, two months, and I was like, so here's my life story. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? But once you knew that, everything made sense. Yeah. everything made sense so you could piece together all the bits of the jigsaw and say right okay now we need to take this approach instead right it took time to get there but once that was revealed it no longer held power over me I speak about my experience my life experiences left right and center podcasts trainings wherever I go I will openly I will be an open book and I will talk about everything because the more I talk about it the less power it has the more comfortable I am with saying it out loud and then the last quadrant is the unknown so that's unknown to you and that's unknown to others 
that's my favorite one because that's where all of your potential lives yeah so all of the things you're telling yourself you would hate that you can't do all of the things in my life that i now love were in that arena they were in that quadrant right everything that i told myself i would be shy at that i would never enjoy that wasn't for me all of it lived in that unknown arena and like i know we're like broken records but this is why we shout about experimentation constantly because you could be like you could run the fastest marathon in the world you could have the fastest marathon time in the whole world and you would never know unless you put your trainers on and started trying to run you could become a fucking like award-winning powerlifter and you would never know unless you went and lifted a weight you could be like i'm not going to say x factor because actually showed my age i didn't think x factor anymore right but you could be the next adele and you would never know unless you took a chance to sing in a pub somewhere like everything that you could possibly do with your life all of your goodness all of your greatness all of your potential all lies in that area that nobody knows about and you're only setting yourself actions and defining your ability based on what you've done so far that you are missing who you could be by telling yourself that's no for me no my cup of tea yeah there's a couple of things that stand out here first and foremost it would probably be the whole talking thing and, and just being authentic and opening up to people i know you and i both had this real difficulty um with sharing our journeys initially because there's a fear of judgment there you, you're worried what people are going to think about you what you're going to do but there's nothing more freeing as you said and the language is the power more from these things than talking about it that's why we come on this podcast and we talk about it as if we're having a fucking cup of tea chatting about the fitbit weekend right yeah. because it has no power over us it's a part of our story it's a part of our journey and why do you think with all the mental health issues that are going on right now and high suicide rates people say talk because talking helps right and the thing is like there's a difference between talking and just having a pity party all the time and talking for for a constructive outcome you know and the, the basis of a chat, sometimes you don't, sometimes you're not even in pity party. See, if you're suicidal and you have a chat with someone, you're just like, you know what, well, I'm suicidal, I don't know what to do. Someone can just have a fucking great chat with you and, and make you feel normal and make you feel heard and make you feel seen. And it's funny because anyone that ever has passed comment on me from what I've shared are the insecure people. Anyway, you can see they're insecure. They care too much about how they look. They care too much about what they have. They care too much about what other people think of them. So straight away, as you kind of said before, like it's known to me and it's known to them. I'm like, I know this about myself and I'm glad that you've recognized it, but I'm not going to change it just for you. And that unknown zone as well is such a, a good place to live. Like, obviously I went from the assumption of you can't look good, muscular, lean if you run. Because every runner that you see is a fucking twig, right? Like any professional long distance runner. But then over the years, you start to see guys who are running mad distances at decent times that are big, that are muscular, that are looking good. And I remember when I first ventured into it, through seeing what other people do, that can change your assumptions as well. That's why we're running this challenge inside the program and getting everyone on the same timeline. Because if you see other people struggling the same way that you were and talking about how they've overcome a lot of challenge and struggle that week, it can change your assumption if someone is literally living almost like a copycat version of your life and your belief systems. And I didn't really follow a lot of runners. I still don't. I don't really follow a lot of a lot of people, like a lot of sports people are that on Instagram. I just feel like it's very distracting. So I remember when I ran my my quickest half marathon, people were like, 
I didn't realize you could run that fast, right? So people knew it, but then I was like, is that fast? <laughs> like, so it was yeah. like an unknown and unknown. People were like, I never knew that about you. And I was like, you have that? I didn't, I didn't know that about myself either. <laughs> um, so then it gives you that sense of, but maybe I'm onto something here. Maybe I'm in a great position. Maybe I can do more than I believe that I can do. How far can I really take this? And it's such an empowering position to be in. And it's such a such a liberating place to live. Um, because it doesn't hold you back. And it's so funny, like when you were saying earlier on, like you just go into things knowing that you're going to do well with them. Like going back to that back squat incident, like incident um, occasion earlier on in the week. All I was doing when I was getting under that bar was going, fucking let's see. Let's see what we can do. You know, and that was it. There was no fear. There was no, oh my God, I'm going to get down here and I'm going to fucking hurt my groin. And I had a sore knee last week when I was running. So that's going to continue to really fucking bug me. This is going to put me off running and I'm going to be off my legs for months because I'm going to get down here and then I'm going to get an injury. Right? That's not what I was thinking. I was thinking, let's fucking give it a go. Don't get me wrong. When you're in that, that, that position as well, it can be quite dangerous because you can be a wee bit arrogant towards things. But... That's why you do warm-up sets. That's why you be a little bit curious first. That's why you dip your toe in. Just put the tip in, right? Don't fucking... <laughs> no, no, don't start. We've already had 400 messages for last week's episode. We are not going back there again. <laughs> we'll never get a sponsor at this rate. Just, um, I just don't go in too dry. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Give yourself a chance to experiment in all areas. I think it is, it, it is so important that you that you allow yourself to feel the fear and just do it anyway right this is fuck around and find out like you, you really need to give yourself the opportunity to understand that you can't live a life never feeling fear yeah so feelings don't equal facts right i watch people go around this cycle all of the time where the event happens right something happens this is do you know what i actually think is dead interesting when i watch this happen it always happens with people when they have interactions with others right it always happens, like, you always see people do this on a night out, right? You ever been, like, a night out with a group of your pals, right, and two folk are arguing about something so stupid that you're like, well, how are you still having this argument, right? Yeah. And, like, it, it, it's so funny. So you'll have the event, right, where somebody says something to the other person that's maybe, like, I don't know, just a bit off. Like, hiya, Janet, how are you doing? God love any Janets that listen to this podcast, because... They're getting absolutely, they're getting absolutely rinsed. It's like my default name. Um, how you doing? Another person will go, oh hiya, and immediately they're off with me. Why are they being off with me? Right. So you assume their intention was to be off with you, right? Mm-hmm. They're being off with me. I knew they never liked me. They've always been weird to me. Do you know something? They've been pure ignoring me in the group chat recently and all, right? They, she all, I knew she didn't like me. Do you know what? I'm just never speaking to her again because she's always like that with me. I'm, I'm finished with her right and all of a sudden these two people have created beef actually sometimes it's one person creating beef when actually the other person has got like a blister and migraine and yep. was just like, oh hiya or they were distracted they got a bit of bad news before they come out or they're dealing with something else in their life that's making them not focused in this moment but that person janet assumes that it's all about her right do you assume the intention of that person based on how you received it and it has absolutely nothing to do with how that person intended to deliver it. So if we actually just intercept the assumption and say to the person, 
you seemed a wee bit off of me there, is everything okay? Right? Then you'll get the facts. They might say, actually, I'm really pissed off at you and I don't like you, right? Yeah. Or they might say, I've got a bag in migraine and I don't want to be here, right? Immediately, assumptions squashed because we're asking for facts, we're asking for evidence. And I've watched people repeat this cycle of assumptions, facts, feelings, stories, and they just propel it so often that even when people come to us to go on their journey of change, the first three months is literally spent challenging every assumption, every myth, every story, every belief that they've ever created, and then bringing their awareness to how many unconscious beliefs that are driving their decision-making. And I think we watch this quite a lot with people who are coming in with similar background to both of us with that binge-restrict cycle and the belief that restriction is the only way to lose weight, right? And a great example of this, I'm not going to name her, but she'll know who she is the minute I say this, right? One of my very good friends who used to tell me for years, I lost all my weight at spin, right? So she would tell me repeatedly, I lose all of my weight when I go to spin. And yeah. then I would say to her, no, you don't. You're losing weight because you're creating an extreme calorie deficit. She's going to kill me when she listens back to this. You're creating an extreme calorie deficit by eating a thousand calories a day and then doing high intense cardio five days a week. So actually, spins get fuck all to do with it. It's contributing to part of it, right? But you could do any other high cardio output exercise and you would maintain that same deficit, right? You're also starving yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's what, and she would nope, nope, lost all my weight at spin, lost all my weight at spin. Guess what's happening now? She stopped doing spin, she's still losing weight. Higher calories, right? <laughs> but, but she carried that belief for so long, very much like me, which was the only way I can lose weight is through extreme restriction. Because up until that point, that's true, right? Because the extreme restriction does give you what you're immediately looking for, which is the weight loss, but it becomes so unsustainable that it doesn't work in the longer term. So we watch this happen even now with people where if the weight's not shifting, they unconsciously revert straight to restriction. And I still do this. So I feel like I can, I've got like a spidey sense for it. I can notice when people are doing it because I I can sniff it out because I noticed myself doing it, right? Last year when I put all that weight back on, I was like, could I get a gastric band without Mark finding out? (laughs) Right? And 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 I, and the thing is, is that I wouldn't be a normal human being if that's not where I reverted. If that wasn't my immediate, like, how do I restrict as fast as I possibly can? Because it's painful, right? It's frustrating. It's hard. You feel like you're putting all this effort in and not getting a result back. So your default is to restrict further on what you already think that you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. We said this to the guys last night. This 12-week transformation that we're asking people to do is actually just adhering to what they were supposed to be doing all along, right? We are not asking anyone to do anything in an extreme. We're not asking them to cut calories any lower. We're not asking them to increase activity. We're not asking them to do anything that's different from what we've already asked them to do. We're just asking them to adhere to it. That's literally it. And the the drive for restriction comes from the assumption that you're already doing it. But in actual fact, if you, you're you jumping from not doing it away down to how do you underdo it, you're just repeating that same cycle all based on that belief that is, I need to be an extreme discomfort, an extreme restriction to get any results which is not true. So good. Like, 
there's so many people that I've worked with over the years that come to mind that have came out the other side of this so well, like when they've changed that belief structure, because, and you'll have been there before, like the way in which we want to reverse it is instead of having like the assumption, the myth, the story you tell yourself, then the belief, we want to have the belief that you know about yourself. Like the belief I know about myself is I'll give anything a go and I'll, I'll give it a go to the best of my ability, right? So the story then that I tell myself is what's the worst that can happen? If I'm shite at it, I'm shite at it. I can get better. If I'm good at it, fucking great. The myth behind that is essentially, why did I tell myself for fucking so long that I couldn't do these things, right? Or why did I believe these these beliefs for so long? Like that's what then becomes the myth. And then the assumption is, where can I really take this? Or the assumption may be, Afterwards, because I've worked it in reverse and I went through the process of trying it, do I like that? Was that for me? Yeah. Maybe I will do something different because it's not the thing that's actually going to get me to where I want to be if I don't actually enjoy it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and there's a difference between doing something just for the result and not enjoying it and essentially doing something for the result, performance based and enjoying it like there's there's two totally different sides to this coin and the people who find what they enjoy the most are going to love the process like people who love to train people who love to run people who love to crossfit people who love to swim people who love to just walk it's like we've had so much success with people that have been like i really don't want to go to the gym i don't like it i've tried it numerous times i generally it's just not my form of activity then once they've started walking, losing weight, they've done, you know what, I actually really have always fancied going to like Pilates and yoga. Great. Is that sustainable? Yep. I can go twice a week. Fucking fantastic. Then it's like, okay, well, look, we're going to double up steps at the weekend as well, because like, I just enjoy walking so much now. And then you start to improve their nutrition on top of it. Their beliefs start to change. And then all of a sudden they, they go, well, now that I'm at this assumption stage and I've got these really good beliefs, what else can I do? Because I've only ever considered the gym walking yoga pilates like could i swim could i cycle could i run could i go to a a, a training facility that's more group based was it the fact that i never i never liked going to the gym before because it was just me and i maybe felt anxious and that 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 place so much so that i couldn't actually focus on what i was doing you start to be so free and you have a lot of clarity around what potentially can be instead of as you said limiting yourself 100 percent, and i think like it's so interesting when you think about it's all it's all down to perception, right? Like every single every single decision you make based on your life is down to how you perceive the situation. And like I got into the best shape of my life when the gyms were shut. And yeah. I honestly think sometimes when I say that to people, they assume that I had a full rig out gym at home. Like I had one kettlebell and two dumbbells, right? And I think I maybe did about well, you used to do the 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 um the early morning Zoom workouts, but other than those and the odd home workout, which I wasn't really consistent with, I got into the best shape of my life, focusing on only on the things that I could control, which were walking constantly the length and breadth of the south side and controlling my calorie intake and focusing on my sleep and my stress management and all those other things and I think sometimes when things aren't working 
we go and meet, we're like magpies. We're the next shiny object that will make this better. This isn't working for me, so I'm going to buy a new £200 watch and that'll re-engage me in the process. I'm not enjoying the gym, so I'm going to get myself all new clothes and that'll motivate me to go, right? I really want to start running, but I think I actually need a hydration vest and I need a fucking free train harness and I need a £100 trainers and I need the sunglasses. and I need... You don't need any of that shit, right? You don't need any of it. You have everything that you need already, but you have to ask yourself what your perception is of why you're doing the thing that you're creating the belief of when I have X, Y, and Z, then I'll go and do it, right? And I caught myself doing this just this morning because we were speaking to a client this morning who'd said he was thinking about maybe trying out CrossFit because he'd done it before and really enjoyed it. And I was thinking to myself, like, I wonder if I would like CrossFit. And then immediately I said to myself, no, you can't go there. That's not for you. Yeah. And I had to catch myself and say, hold on a minute. What evidence is there that tells me that that's not for me and I wouldn't be able to do it? because I've never done it before, right? Now, my default instinct will always be you're plus size and you're not as fit as other people, therefore you can't do this thing, right? But the only way that I can get fitter and do that thing is by doing the thing, <laughs> right? It doesn't happen in reverse order. Even if I lose another three stone and I get back training properly and I get back running again, I'm still not going to believe in my ability to do CrossFit because I've never fucking done CrossFit, <laughs> right? So actually, I need to go and do it first before I then think to myself, actually, that's not for me, right? And there's something here for me about when you have a paradigm shift. We sp I spoke to um, one of our clients about that this week because she sent us a lovely voice note basically just saying like she sees her life and herself and the world through a whole different set of eyes and she was like that to me what what is this I'm experiencing and I was like this is a textbook paradigm shift this is why we focus all of our energy and attention into helping you to change your behaviors and to build you for the rest of your life that's 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 why we do what we do here because we want you to leave this program and never have to come back right like we love our clients and we would keep them all forever if we could but our whole objective is to give you everything that you need to live the rest of your life happily and successfully. And that is why so many of our clients will reach out to us six months, a year, two years after leaving, still in great shape, still loving their life, still doing everything the way they were before, because we focus on changing the behaviours and building the person. And we do that by facilitating a paradigm shift. And it was so funny to hear it from her perspective because she was like, I don't know what this is. And I explained to her that this is you experiencing a paradigm shift. And she was like, I have heard you guys talk about this so much and I never knew how it was going to feel. And she was like, I can't believe that that's how this is supposed to feel. And she was like, I was looking at, she was like, I mean, my diary's jam-packed full of stuff. She was like, but I was thinking, how did I do this before? Like she was like, because obviously all my own stuff is scheduled in first and everything else around it. But she was like, how did I survive life before just as busy as it is now, but without all of the things and that I needed for me? And it's because her paradigm has shifted that she goes belief first, right? This has to happen. And I believe that this is important. Therefore, how does everything fit round about it? If she's carrying the belief of I can do it all, which we believe you can, right? You can do it all. You can have everything that you ever need to have. When she's operating in that belief, she's aware of the assumptions that she's making that goes against that. She's aware of those old myths that might chime in every now and again, right? She's aware of when she's telling herself a story because the belief is the pinnacle. The belief is the thing that guides her. 
and everything else might hang off it every now and again but ultimately the belief wins every single time she's operating out of a different paradigm now though that it's belief in herself and her ability and not lack of belief in herself and her ability and unless you're willing to actively challenge the thoughts and challenge the actions create the actions that disprove the assumptions disprove the stories the myths unless you're willing to take both the challenge and the thought and giving it the evidence for why it isn't true you're never ever going to change the, the belief cycles that you've kept yourself stuck in you will always believe these things about yourself unless you stack the evidence in favour of the belief you want to create instead of just always reverting back to the evidence that stacks in favour of the lack of belief, of the of the self-criticism. What would you say to someone in that situation that says, but I can't because of my inner critic or I can't because of self-sabotage? You are your inner critic. You are the saboteur. <laughs> They're all you, <laughs> right? Like, it's not some separate person that's been transported into your brain. It's not a fucking tapeworm, right? That you can... Right, man. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. All of these people are you. And yes, it's helpful to, like, almost sort of, like, personalise them for you to understand, like, that this is what this is. But, like, it's a concept. They're all still you. So actually... If you have an inner critic and an inner saboteur, you also have an inner cheerleader and a head of self-belief, right? You're just choosing to listen to the critic and the saboteur. So every single time you hear something from them, how are you giving time and space to the head the head cheerleader to come in and say, actually, that's not necessarily true, or we might believe this right now, so how do we give ourselves evidence to the contrary? What is the positive opposite? of this limit and assumption that I'm choosing to believe. We are defaulting so much to those instinctive things that we're never given the opposites a chance. And crucially, to remind everyone, you don't have to believe the positive opposite. You just have to run on what if it was true, what would what would be possible for me if I did see myself in that way. You don't have to believe it immediately because self-belief doesn't fall out the sky. And you can't just positively think your way to a new life but we have to be willing to actually challenge those things that come into our heads, no matter who or what part of you they're coming from, and then give it evidence to the contrary. Boom. I actually think that's like a perfect place to stop because I don't actually think we could wrap up anything better. Than I, I could probably talk about this for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a good um, tangent you went off on. Like I could feel the power. I could feel the, the energy behind it. And I actually love that you uh, brought up our client that's leaving, I would keep her forever if I could, but at the same time, she needs to fly the nest and see that things are going to be okay. And it's funny because even when she she was talking about leaving, she was like, well, what if I need you? Like, what if things aren't okay? And I was like, believe me, things are going to be just fine. Like, yeah. things are going to be just fine. And we're always here. You know what I mean? She's literally, she can fucking come to anything we put on. She has lifetime access for the yeah. work she's done. We, yeah. we give away lifetime access awards to people that are great fucking clients. So, 100%. Listen, if you the thing is, what she has now and what I think you have, I have, anyone who's successful is the blueprint. Mm. So see, even if the full building crumbles, you've still got the blueprint and how you rebuild it. And like, I've really been going through that process of rebuilding over the last wee while, but I've got the blueprint. So I don't actually, I'll check in with you every now and again and say, go to tell me, or what do you think about this? Or what will like, give me some feedback here but ultimately I have the blueprint now 
So I know how to build it that even every time it does, if it ever gets torn down again, I know I'll be able to rebuild. So she's got the blueprint to be yeah. able to build from. And that's that. That's what I think we give everyone who comes through this process is that even if anything happens, that it starts to crumble, you have the blueprint within you to rebuild it. Uh, you're safe. You're safe and... Like I was, I was speaking to the guys last night about the fact that obviously I've got numerous coaches and I very rarely ask them anything. Like I actually need to force myself to ask them even the simplest of questions. And sometimes they'll actually give me an insight into something I already know in a completely different way. And I'm like, brilliant, appreciate it. They reach out to me and I'll ding at them for like four or five days if I'm busy. Then I'll come back and be like, oh, sorry, I was busy. Don't need anything from you. Month down the line, if I've still not heard from them, I'll text them and be like, listen, I actually need something. Could you tell me this? But it's like short, precise. Having a coach there is obviously designed to help guide you through a process but you need to be the one doing more work than the coach like you need to be and I really do think there's a, a degree of mutual respect like if someone is giving me what's proven and that they believe to be right and I'm limiting myself based upon my assumptions of what they're asking me to do and my beliefs about it then why do they deserve to have to always deal with it if that makes sense like there's only so many ways that something can be told to you before you actually just have to say, right, I do need to let this fucking energy leader come out. I do need to let the fucking biggest fan I have inside me come out. Because people will say, again, the self-saboteur and the fucking critic will go, but I don't have them. And it's like, stop fucking bullshitting yourself. See, if you want to firmly hold that belief in your hand forever, you will never change, right? And I can guarantee you, you'll lie in your fucking deathbed wishing that you had because you'll have a totally different perspective come that time. You might have grandkids for the first time. Because obviously life definitely changes. You have kids, it's stress. You have grandkids, it's fucking joy. Like that in itself can stress you out. Um, or sorry, that in itself can make you so joyous that it gives you a totally different perspective on life. And you wish that you treated yourself differently. People say like the love of a child is, is one thing. But then people say like the love of a, a grandchild is something completely different. Like you you love your your baby as much as you you physically can. You've never loved it more than anything that you've ever loved before. But you can often take it for granted as well because the stress that comes with it, you have to take full responsibility and ownership for this baby. The fucking early mornings, the nights getting up during the night to feed it, the fucking stress of having a breakdown in the middle of a fucking supermarket, all of this sort of stuff. But when you are older, you're wiser, you have grandchildren, you look at life in a very different way from what I've been told from clients who have recently became grandparents and just people in my own life that have said it as well. Like even my mum, my dad, the way that I see my dad with like his granddaughter is fucking so different. I'm like, you you, you do realise you're not treating her the same way that you treated us, right? <laughs> but they get a second chance, right? Yeah, they get exactly. another chance with everything that they know. They give it another go. But see, when that perspective happens, and this is my point, they, you don't have a second chance anymore. Yeah. You're maybe in your 60s, you're maybe in your 70s and you'd wish you'd done something about it. You, your second chance is fucking gone. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, it's not too late to start at that age. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say here is the things that you could have achieved for yourself, that you could have looked back on and been proud of, could have just continuously been built upon into that age. So you would never have known if you could have completed that fat loss physique transformation that you always wanted or if you could have ran the fastest marathon or if you could have been a fucking power lifter. Like, you'll never know. You'll never fucking know because it's too, like by that point, it's too, you're too late. You're too late because you're not too late to start and do something still well, but you're too late from a physiological standpoint to optimize your performance so high to see what you really could have been. Yeah. Right. 
like you can still optimize it at that age, but there's only so far you can go based upon the age that you are and the safety of the exercise itself. If you're still younger, and even when I say younger, even fucking 40s, early 50s, you've still got a huge chance. Yeah, yeah. And actually the, a chance to see the joy that it could have brought to your life. I, exactly, exactly. Like somebody said this to me recently as well, is that like once you turn 30, you really start to find more comfort in who you truly are. And I honestly think, like, I, I really, really heavily agree with that. And it makes me sad to think of all of my 20s that were spent doubting myself so much and trying to be someone that I wasn't and trying to create another persona because who I was deep down was a really good person all along. Mm-hmm. And now that I get to just be me unapologetically, like you live in another level of fulfillment because I, I just don't give a fuck what he thinks of me anymore. And I don't <laughs> care about the expectations that are put on me as a woman for what I should be doing with my life or how I should be spending my time or how I should be dressing or how I should look or how I should speak to people. I just allow myself to be me. And I think it's such a freeing place to be that I think, God, imagine I'd had that freedom 10 years sooner. No. Um, and it was all within my control the whole time. 100%. And I definitely see that. And people that I speak to that join the programme, they're like maybe 29, 30, 31, 32. And they're like, since I've reached my 30s, I've got a totally different outlook on why I'm doing this and why I want to achieve it. And I'm actually looking forward to turning 30. Like I remember at like 22, 23, I was like, fucking hell, that's well old. I'm hitting like the peak of my performance year. So I'm like, what is yet to come? I cannot yeah. wait to see what has to come. And I remember um, watching the Limitless show, Chris Hemsworth, and obviously one of his biggest fears was like growing old and dying and stuff like that. And one of the guys was talking to him and they were like, growing old is such a gift. Yeah. Like you get to do so much with your time. Like you're not incapable of doing things that you were previously that you you think you, you no longer are, are able to do. Like you have time to do things that you never had time to do before. You can read all day if you want to read all day. Like you have freedom, you have autonomy. He's like, you might not have the same degree of health or stamina or the same fucking size of muscles and all that, but you've got the chance now for your values to shift and focus on something else. And I think that's incredible. And your health is like this tectonic plate that it all sits on. And that's why, and Joanna always jokes about it. She's like, you're going to be one of these like 70 year old cunts that are running marathons and all that. And, you? and I'm like, I was like, if I've got spare time, why the fuck would I not be? You know, the thing is, the more skilled you are and the longer that you've done something, the, the better you can still be the older that you get so it's yeah. like start now regardless of what age you are because your life's going to be fucking incredible for the rest of your days if you can sustain it and live this way yeah absolutely because we will you for life hey. for life until you, <laughs> until you die <laughs> and even then you're technically no deed because you're still built for life so you're just like lying in a coffin somewhere fucking <laughs> half asleep <laughs> grave. you cannot die when you join this program you're fucking invincible have you ever I'm seen sure Oh, honestly, do you know what comes to mind when I when I said that? It's like that pure blissful arrogance and the other guys when Samuel L. Jackson and The Rock jump off the 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 look at aim for the bushes. Pure cocky, egotistical fucking polis. Um well funny. Well funny, but we'll wrap up the that was a really good session. Session? Session? You said that last week or two weeks ago. I know. 
<laughs> it's because we're too like I've been waving my hands about so furiously that I can't really thank God we've not got like video footage here because I would look mental. <laughs> it's just you that has to witness that. Aye, that's very true. That's very true. And it's fucking traumatic enough for me. Uh, <laughs> but yes, that was a really good session. So we're gonna wrap up there, guys. If you've um found this beneficial in any way, anything resonates with you, please reach out, let us know. Hopefully it's a little highlight in your week. As for me, because me and Jen both listen back like a couple of fucking weirdos. I value our own performance. Exactly. We study ourselves. So, guys, we will see you next time. And we very much look forward to it. Stay safe until then. And enjoy your Easter holidays. Oh, yeah. Happy Easter. Happy Easter, guys.